Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps, and today with me I have Brody from the Secret Squirrel Podcast. Uh, Janet from Deplorable Nation, uh, shout out Janet suggested that he come on and we've been chatting a little bit and I'm super excited for him to share more of his story with me and then so y'all can hear it too. So thank you Brody for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me on and thanks for Janet for recommending me to come in on your show. Yeah, she had said she had like just finished recording with you and was like, you have to get Brody on right away. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And that was all she said. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said to me too. She's like, she's like, they're uh, speed bumps is going to be contacting you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she told you that before she told me. <laughs> it's all good, right? She's it it, nice it all works out. Oh, yeah. She, she, she's lovely. I call it uh, being voluntold. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, but her uh, recommendations have never steered me wrong. So I knew when she said it. that. Well, hopefully we keep it one. that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we it, 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 no, it will because we were talking, you know, like I said before the show and – some of the stuff that you were saying was just absolutely wild. So I know you said you used to be in the army and then you retired Correct. out of the army. Right. Um, what'd you not do? Reti- not retired. I didn't retire. I got out of the army and now I'm medically retired for good. Like I'm done. Like, okay. Dis- I have um, what they call disability from my time in service, basically. What did you do when you were in the army? I was what they call a 13 Foxtrot or a Fister, which is a forward observer. Um, So you call for fire basically, but I never did that job. I was, got sent to a little post after I enlisted in the army August of 2001. So I was lucky enough where September 11th happened the next month. So they kind of changed the training and everything was kind of weird. Um, and then I got sent to your AIT after basic, and that's like your schooling. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to my schooling, they said, I passed all that stuff, did everything. And when I got my orders, it was kind of like funky. They were like, well, your orders came, but they didn't come because they didn't have your wife on there. So 
Um, we're going to redo your orders. So I was like kind of what they call holdover. So I was just hanging out. Basically everyone else moved. And then I got orders to go to a little place in Eder Oberstein, Germany, which, well, actually I had orders. I, let me rephrase that. I had orders to go to Baumholder, Germany. And when I got to Baumholder, Germany, they told me, no, you're not, you're not going here. Here you go. And I got these orders to this other place and it was weird. It's you ride buses everywhere naturally, but this was just one driver. So it was really weird. And he's like, yeah, you're coming with me. Well, I went to this little post that was still had the Nazis, um, Eagles up and all that. It was closed ever since world war two. And they were redoing this post. And I didn't know at the time, no one ever said it, but it's pretty obvious now that they were just getting that ready to go down range and stand it up. Cause when I got there, it was only maybe six, seven people. There was one Colonel, a couple of platoon sergeants and maybe two privates. I mean, so no vehicles just had some firearms. So I got sent to a lot of army schools. I learned a lot of cool stuff in between that. And then we went down range and I was one of the lucky ones. I got my unit got extended. I was there for 15 months and then I came back. So wait, back pause, to the sixth. pause. Yeah. I have like four questions. Oh yeah. One, Hit me up. What does downrange mean? Oh, I was deployed. I went to Iraq. So okay, I, that's, that's right. what that means. Mm. I, I'm familiar with the term deployed. Wasn't familiar with the term downrange. Uh, yeah. Second, I heard that some people went, were you in basic when you were in basic then when 9-11 happened because usually basic is like right yep 10 to 14 weeks depending on <clears throat> i was i enlisted i went to basic in august like the middle of august and september okay. 11th happened the next month yeah so then i had they changed the training up and we started instead of doing a lot of the um you know in the army i don't know about the other branches they have a lot of they have a well i don't know if they do it anymore but they had a lot of almost like schooling where it would be we would learn the constitution we would learn the presidents and we would sit okay. in this auditorium and learn basic army knowledge you know like mm -hmm. who's the president all the way down and it would be a couple of weeks they eliminated that all in itself and it just went to uh, close quarters, you know, weapon manipulation, muzzle discipline, how to stack on rooms, how to pie on rooms, stuff like that, that they would never normally teach in basic. I mean, maybe they do now after learning yeah. what they learned from the war, but at that time they, they didn't, they were still fighting, training us like really like for jungle warfare, like Vietnam. Okay. Now, did, were you guys told right away? Because I heard that some people who were in basic training, and I heard this from a few people in different branches, that when 9-11 happened, they weren't told right away. Like, they, it was actually a few days later, someone found out through a newspaper clipping, like, were you guys told right away? Oh, we were told, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was right away. I, I want to say it was maybe the next day, I want to okay. say. Like, they told us at the beginning of training. I think it's because they had to because they had to alter the training so much so they didn't have a chance, a choice. Because okay. uh, I don't remember what we were supposed to be doing. That might have been when we were going to be going into, like, the auditorium and doing, like, all the paperwork and all that stuff and sitting down and learning all that. But, um, yeah, no, everything changed. So it was definitely – yeah, it was definitely weird. They sat us down and showed a video, let us watch it, you know, and they told people, I mean, they, I mean, they don't know, but they said, hey, there's a good chance that uh, a lot of you privates here are going to be going downrange somewhere. So yeah. wherever, they de wherever they decide, like they said, we don't know who, where they're going to send you, but a lot of guys here will be going somewhere. Interesting. And yeah. I and then you just sit back and I'm like, man, I guess this is all, man, what's the odds of this? I guess it's supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. 
It's like there was a war. So, I mean, they had the little Gulf War before that in the 90s, but there was nothing. You know, it's like, eh, nothing's, nothing's going to happen. I just do my little time and make my money, get my college and get out of here. But I think the guy upstairs had different plans. Yeah, uh, the guy upstairs typically does. And we uh, are often surprised by, at least I am. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, me too. Believe me. Me too. I've had a crazy life. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had a wild life. You know, my family, there's people that have worked with the big drug, huge drug dealers. I mean, huge ones. When I was a kid, you know, they're gone now. But so I seen that whole aspect of life. Like I got to see, and they didn't use the drugs or anything like that, but they were one of the main dudes. So I got to see those people coming to the house. So I would see these people when I was a kid. You know, what their nice shiny cars and all that other stuff. And I see them 10 years later, their car's a piece of junk and they're not looking so hot, you know, and you're 12 years, 13 years old. You're like, whoa, what's going on? You know, and you're my uncle and all them used to be honest and tell me, hey, so this is what's going on. This is what happens. This is how people are. This is how addiction and this is what and they were just honest with me. And my other where I grew up with my mom and dad, they were the other spectrum. They were totally super religious church every time the doors open and all that. So it was kind of like I had like two splittings of life. I got to see the one side of like the dark side of life with all these people. And then I would see the other side. So kind of, I kind of had it like, I was lucky, I think in that way where I kind of had like a reality check, you know, like everything isn't really fluffy and everything, you know, if it's so typically in this is stereotype I have in my head, yeah, people who are typically very religious, wouldn't let their kids typically hang out with the t- drug dealers and things like that. Well, this so how is, this is how it, this, this is how it was. Okay. My parents didn't even, weren't even aware for, for it until I was older because what they would do is they would take the, the money that they were doing from the getting from this and they had machine shops all around the city and different, they had front businesses. You want to yeah. call them. They had about three or four. So Hey, he got a new truck. He's got a new jet boat. He's got this. Well, he's got his, they got the huge, you know, machine shops all over the place. They're making all these parts for Harleys and all this other stuff. So I think that's really what it was. And to say my mom, say my parents didn't know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they did and just chose to look the other way. Maybe it was easier just to ditch me over there sometimes. I, you know, I don't know. I was always out of all of my siblings and stuff. I was always the one that always just kind of walked his own way, you know? How many always. siblings do you have? Two. Okay. Two brothers. And they're both, I don't want to say, they've kind of followed, let's put it this way, they followed like in the family footsteps, you know? Like okay. With that, with that line of thinking. And yep. How they see the world and everything is right and left. And gotcha. I'm, I've never been that way. They're very political and everything, and I'm not very political at all. Gotcha. At all. I realized we got into your story and I forgot to ask you, tell me two of your favorite things about yourself or two things that you love about yourself before we continue your story. Two things that I love about myself. Um, I guess it would be that I'm honest and I'm dependable. All right. I like those. I like, I, I appreciate honesty. Some people think uh, you can be too honest, but we don't have, in my opinion, have ill intention behind that honesty. I think the truth is always just where it's at. Sometimes yeah. it sucks to hear it, but yeah. eventually you're going to find out regardless. Absolutely. So you were telling us how you were in Germany and you were there mm-hmm. for 15 months. 
I was in downrange in Iraq for 15 months. Oh, 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 oh. I was so, in Germany a total of four years, but I was, I was got deployed when I was in Germany. I got deployed to go to Iraq. Okay. I was, my original orders were for a year to be there a year. And then when it was time to go home, we were getting ready to go. We packed it all up and they said, nope, first cav in, uh, has lost the South, like South of the city. The militias took over with Al Sadar. So you guys can't go home until this, because we used, that's where we used, we took that place over and basically used to be called Saddam city. And my unit did a lot of the fighting with some other units, but we did a lot of the fighting in there and cleared it out and got it back. And they kind of dropped the ball. The other guys, when we turned it over and the militia took back over. So then we had to go back and repel the militia and all that stuff. So it took about another three months before that was complete. And then I was able to go back to Germany. Okay. I'm sure your wife was pissed about that being thinking that you're coming home and then all of a sudden surprise. Oh yeah. And you know, the worst part was, I mean, we had casualties and stuff, but that's like when I lost my best friend and I lost so many people and it's like, man, we should already been home like a month ago. Why are, yeah. why is this happening? You know? And it's like, I mean, now you look back at it and it sucks and it's like, you know, we all have to deal with our own things, but it's like, that's something with myself, I'll never come to grips with, you know, but especially like for his wife, it's like, so his wife afterwards, she came and lived with us for a while because it was, she didn't know what to do, you know? And yeah. So my wife was helping with her for a long time and now she's actually doing good. She moved back to Pennsylvania and she's remarried. So she's got a couple of kids, I think. So, so that yeah. part is good, you know, but. I mean. I've dated a couple guys who were in the military when I was dating them. Um, my husband used to be in the Marines, isn't anymore, but it kept me up at night, like when they would get deployed and stuff. So, I mean, kudos, major, major uh, kudos yeah. to the families because, you know, oh, you for guys- sure. We couldn't do what we do without, without the support, you know, back yeah. at home, you know, like and obviously then, as- you guys have your own job and, you know, I, I come from a long line of veterans, so like obviously kudos to you, but the families too, like they struggle in ways that is isn't typically noticed by the civilian. Right. Community. Like the kids, especially the kids, you know, yeah. they're always every three, four years their life's getting transplanted somewhere else and uprooting everything, losing their friends. Then they got the constant thought of something could happen, you know, to yeah. mom or dad all the time on their mind, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot of times they're overlooked a lot, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you know, if you've been in the military, you're not rich. That's for sure. No, no. And base housing typically sucks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been a few bases where, um, you know, I I forget what the, uh, like the wives groups are called, but they've been like, there's mold. The army calls them FRG, they call them. Yeah, yeah. The FRGs and, you know, maybe there was mold in the houses or they were dilapidated or um, right. the water wasn't good. Like I've seen section eight housing better than some base housing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I lived off post. So and even when I was in Germany, I just lived off post on the economy. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not staying on post, yeah. you know, no thanks. That's a, a side tangent. I can get into that. Like you guys aren't paid. You guys are paid much, much less than like, sports stars and that bothers me for so many reasons people yeah it's just reality right and people don't realize it's like you're working 24 hours a day at least like i don't know i can't say that for everyone but like my my unit 
I can get a call at any time of the night. And they're like, you have two hours to go to get to the tarmac. And that's it. We had to go. So they could call me on. And they used to do that, you know, to jack with you. They call you on like a Sunday night when they know everyone's drinking or Saturday night, whatever, when everyone's boozing. And say, tarmac time, you got two hours. And you're running down there trying to go get your weapon and everything and get on the bus to go down there. And they'll drive you down there. And, you know, everyone's half in the bag and they're laughing about it. And you're like, man, this sucks. I remember just thinking, I can't wait to be done with all this like that was my whole shig from when i went in i was like i'm never gonna stay in here i'm for a life or my i've come from a long line of military people too so i knew it was all about it's like i'm just gonna go in here do my little service get a little college maybe come out on the other side and be a better person for all this you know but well how long was your original contract for six years no my original one's for two and then i got i was like i'm gonna do two so if anyone doesn't know out there, I don't know if the army still does this. You can make actually more money by going two years because then when your enlistment's up, you already got the time in grade. So they're not going to want to let you go because they already got stuff invested in you. So it's not uncommon from the 30, 50, 60 grand bonuses. And if you're downrange when you do it, say Iraq, that's all tax free. So if they could say they're going to give you an 80 grand bonus tax free for two more years, that's what you get. So, and then too, it's like 10 years you cop out, like after 10, you go, I think it's 10. Then you become after that enlistment, that's it. You stay in till 20. So it was like, it makes more sense to me to keep going too and bumping up that bonus money until you get to that 10. And then if you didn't want to, then you could walk away or whatever, you know? Because otherwise, if you're doing four or five year enlistments, you're getting one bonus. Yeah. So, uh, wh- so how long were you in then before you left? Five, almost five years. Totally. Okay. Almost five. Like four years, and I don't even know four years, and probably like nine or ten months, something like that. Were you just deployed once? Yeah, just that one time. That was long enough for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, some guys in four years will get deployed two, three times. Yeah. Like my deployment being as long as it was like uh, a lot of the other services deployments are only six months. So it's like my deployment would have been almost three of their deployments. Like them being deployed three times. I did that all once. So. Boggles my mind. So you said you came home, everything seemed to be fine. And then you were telling me you were going to do some yard work or landscaping with your daughter and yeah yeah i returned out. home everything was good um everything was good when i returned home i i uh actually used to work with like um before i went in the army i worked with like sick people i delivered oxygen mm-hmm. and suction pumps and all that good stuff and when i came out i started that job again and got old didn't want to do it and i actually got a job um, working in the elevator union installing elevators in downtown i actually did the got to do the trump tower down there which was pretty cool but um yeah so then after that i was in schooling at the time actually and i moved to texas too in between i moved, transplanted myself from my family from illinois to texas i left some stuff out stuff out too like uh <laughs> i got divorced from my wife okay i'm remar- i'm remarried to her now though same lady i was i lived in my car for a good three four months because my ptsd was going bonkers couldn't find any help whatever life was bad man i'm not gonna lie so is that came part to of the po- reason you guys got divorced yeah oh the main reason yeah it's i my life was 
I mean, I was miserable to be around. Let's put it that way. I was just always angry, never like abusive or violent or anything, but it was just, I would constantly just be doing my own things, whether that's going out in the garage, just nonstop hitting the punching bag or whatever, just avoiding people, you know, avoid. So it led to problems and got divorced and, uh, she took my daughter with her and I lived, didn't have nowhere to go really. Not even with the family. Um, that's I'm like my family. I really don't have too much to do with them anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just, a lot of that opened my eyes. And uh, yeah. And finally it was, I told her, I said, I just got to get out of here and away from this place. I think I'm, I'm going to, I got to get out of here. And well, this is how weird. And when you look back and see how life is, how everything fits together, she was in the healthcare field back then too. And she just, got laid off of her job and I didn't know that. And she had another job offer down here in Texas. So she's like, well, I have a job offer in Texas. I'm thinking about taking it if you want to go. And she's like, you could stay, we'll get an apartment, but you got to pay half, whatever. And we'll just try, you do your thing, I'll do my thing and we'll see if we can make it work. And what happened was I went to college and this lived, we lived there for about a year when that happened, maybe no, two years. Cause I, gra- I, right after my graduation of college is when this happened. I went to home Depot, picked up, took the little one. She was maybe, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, picked up some mulch, pulled in the drive and I was feeling fine that day. We ate breakfast, everything, everything was cool. All of a sudden I pulled in the drive and I'm like, man, you probably want to go inside. I feel, I feel nauseous. Like I'm going to throw up. So she went in and I just started vomiting in the garage and then I made it inside. I guess I vomited and I passed out and blacked out and she had enough sense to get my phone, unlock it and call my wife. My wife worked right down the street at the time and she was still my ex-wife at that time. But, um, so she came home and called the ambulance. She said, I, you know, obviously I had jaundice cause she knew that I was my eyes, everything, my whole skin, yeah. I was just bright yellow. So I was filled with infection and they took me to a local hospital here, but I don't even remember going there. I'll be honest. I don't even remember being there. I was there for, I think three or four days. They didn't do anything. And then they sent me to the VA and, uh, the VA didn't really know what to do either. To be honest, they didn't know if they should do like they call it, I think an ERCP and all this other stuff. They didn't know what they should do, if they should do that or not, because it could cause more damage. And well, I ended up, they ended up doing that. So whether that's what screwed me up so bad after all this, I don't know. But they went through and did that. And basically, uh, I had a, a tube inserted in my nose to suck all the stuff out of my stomach. I had a tube Basically, I had tubes in every orifice, pretty much. Yeah. You know, that's to put it lightly. Yeah, I and I just rode that out in there. I was in the ICU for a while, and they started feeding me. I had nothing by my mouth; couldn't eat or drink. Um, they started feeding me through my veins, which, if you never, any, no one's ever seen that. That's pretty trippy. I never knew they could even do that, but they did. And I used to be a real in shape fit dude. I was about 185. And then by the time I left the hospital, when I checked myself out at the very end, I think I was like 128, I believe. So that's how much like weight and everything I was losing. Like, so I went through everything. I had to get cut open from my sternum to my right above my navel, a little below my navel. I had tubes inserted in my side 
four or five tubes to drain the infection, constantly drain the infection out. And I had a tube in my back where it was supposed to be for some emergency thing. If they needed to go in there or something, they could, I don't know. I never, I never needed it, but I had to go every month and get the one in my back changed. So that sucked. I was in a wheelchair after I got out of there forever. They told me I'd be diabetic, told me I'd have all these health issues. And basically I have none. And that's all from my own, just taking supplements, vitamins, multivitamins. Uh, I do float therapy for my PTSD along Mm -hmm. with like, meditation i do that too but my medication i don't know i don't do meditation i guess like a lot of people i don't like i don't can't just like sit down and do it i mean i can't if i'm like somewhere but it's like i can meditate when i'm awake now it's really weird because like i don't have to close my eyes or do anything like i had to go to the doctor the other day for some blood work and it was like i was sitting there and i can just kind of just sit there with my eyes open almost and meditate and just drift away just from being locked inside my head in that bed, being bedridden so long. Like I had to have people come and wash me from head to toe. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move basically. So it was wild. Have you ever tried EMDR for your PTSD? Well, uh, what's that? Which one is that? Is that the, is that the one with the ketamine? No, 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 no drugs, no no drugs. Um, So I've had PTSD from being hit by a car. And, oh, man. and so I get the whole like angry, everyone's wrong, no matter what they do, like basically F the world uh, can understand that. And so for me, um, it's like eye movement, the, it's like basically, I forget what it stands for, but it's E, M is in Michael, D is in Delta, R is in radio, E, M, D, R. And you're either moving your eyes back and forth. Have you ever seen a metronome for like a piano where it goes tick, tick, tick Right, tick. yeah. Okay. So it's at a specific rate. And either your eyes are moving back and forth or you have vibrating like buttons in each hand where they go or you can Yeah, tap. no, I've, not, I've never done that. Mm-mm. Does it help you? Does it work it for you? Saved my life. Really? See, that's how I feel about float therapy. It's so, it's so, that's, that has like been the thing that is just, it's crazy. Like and if you've I, never done that. I've I, never I just, done float. The, the PTSD oh. is much better now. Um, every once in a while I have like little, little kickups. Yeah. But it used to be, I couldn't go into a parking lot with having a massive panic attack and just being. Yeah. I, I still, I still struggle with my stuff. You know, it is what it is, but I'll be honest. What's helped me so much with this THC for myself. Like that, that has helped me immensely. Like when I just went to the VA yesterday, I think it was, um, I had to, they sent me to some eye doctor, like, you got to go look at your eyes check just because they said on, uh, that you're going to be diabetic. It's like, they're waiting for me to be diabetic. They make me go see that. I diabetic eye doctor once a year where they check and they say, you're fine. Get out of here. But, uh, what I it was funny when I went there yesterday, the woman checked, I just sit in the machine where they look in your eye and she's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I don't even have to dilate your eyes. This is beautiful. I can see perfectly. And I, she's like, what have you done? I'm like, I don't know. I just smoke some cannabis in the parking lot. That's probably, probably why. And she's like, I'm going to start telling all my patients to do this. I was like, she was an old lady. She was so lovely. She was like Navy, Navy. She said, Navy veterans. Like, I'm going to start telling all my patients just to do this. She's like, this is great. That's funny. It's wild. That's yeah. Funny. But I use that and it, it, it does wonders for me. You know, it really has certain strains. Other ones could aggravate it or agitate you too. You have to 
know what you're getting into, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I tried CBD once for pain, ended up having some weird trippy experience. Um, but yeah, that goes down to like, you know, with hybrids and sativas and indicas and which ones, you know, which ones you respond to. Like for myself, I know sativas, I don't do well. Like if I smoke a bunch of sativa, I'll just hit, I feel like I, my PTSD, like someone just did a huge adrenaline dump on me. Like I'll just be like wild, you know? Yeah. So, but if I do the indica, it's weird. It's like, I'm just normal. <laughs> it's kind of strange. It's like, I'm normal. And I don't, when I say normal, it's like to you guys, I'd be normal. You wouldn't know. Like right now, I probably yeah, see yeah. completely normal, you know, and I used our, used it already two times today. I usually use it four times a day. I already use it twice. So, yeah. I mean, but it helps me immensely. Just yeah. See, dog and cat. I was wondering, I thought I was going to tell you, I was like, maybe your husband's waving you or something. Cause I saw something going back through there real quick. Dog ears. And the cat is, <laughs> so there's a cat, there's a chair like right behind here and the cat sleeping up there. So, and the cat is Katniss and Desi, the dog decided to hop up there and mess with her. <laughs> Life is good, right? I was good. Oh, and the fact that she knows leave your sister alone just cracks me up um they do they're smart they know oh she, she they, they know she knows mm-hmm. yeah i believe that too that they know for real oh but oh fiddlesticks i thanks does um i totally lost what we were saying and i apologize <laughs> No, no, there's not, we're just shooting the crap. There's nothing to apologize for. We were just oh. talking. I mean, last thing I remember talking about, we were talking about PTSD and you're, oh, you're talking yeah, and about the strains your, uh, and, right. And yeah. then the strains of cannabis. Right. And that's, that's helped me a lot. Float therapy has helped me a lot. Um, yeah. And then exercise naturally. Like I exercise every day, just bands and stuff. And it helps. If, if you don't mind me asking, was the PTSD, because you basically got held over in Iraq when you shouldn't and like all the your, uh, your friends dying? All yeah, it was that and like a lot of the situations like I was in with in Iraq, like you know, um a lot of just violent situations where you're in a convoy and you drive past something and the next thing you know the got car the IED blew up that was under the freaking road or under the manhole. You hear a big boom and you look through and the Humvee behind you She's got a freaking huge hole flying out the top, but no one in there anymore because it blew the manhole, manhole cover from the street through the bottom. Yeah, I mean, just wild stuff like that. And then you have to go. I was, I went to school to be a, I wasn't a medic, but I was like the second, what they call an army, a combat lifesaver. So a lot of times if the medics got hurt or the medics were already seeing someone, they would be calling for, you know, the MS, they would just call us the combat lifesaver, LS, whatever. And They'd be calling for you. You have to go there and pack their guts back in, and you know, sunken chest wounds, and put plastic over there and try wrapping them so they, you know, for their punctured lung. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff that you. That I mean, I'll be honest. I never thought I would be able. To, I'd even be able to do that stuff. I, I mean, even now I gag at this picking up the smell just at the smell of picking up dog poo it's like you know it's like i can't even stand that and yeah. it's like it's like i seen and did all that it's like well, I, I don't know you know the human the human mind is very powerful yeah when, when you have adrenaline coursing through you you can uh 
do a lot of things you wouldn't typically be able to do. Most definitely. Most definitely. And sometimes I wonder through all my, with my illness and as long as I was in the hospital, because I mean, it was a six year recovery. It wasn't like just something that was in and out. Sometimes I think that PTSD actually helps me a lot of times because I could, I could almost like not turn it on, but if I wanted to, if that, let's put it this way. I'm the type of guy, like if they told me, Hey, you're not supposed to be going and walking, get back to your bed. I'm the type of guy where my mind's like, Oh yeah, watch this. Now I'm running. And that's like how I was. And I'm going downstairs and you're not going to find me and I'll disappear out of the, that's exactly how my mind was. And I think that's like a lot of my PTSD, you know, like they would, the doctors would say, Hey, you can't do this. And I used, my wife used to be embarrassed because she would know some of these people. And I would say, Hey man, don't be telling me what just cause you can't do it. Or you've never seen other patients do this stuff before, dude, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me like that. So keep that, your thoughts over there and watch, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And I, I yeah. told them, you want to hear a wild story. I coded, right. I don't even really want to talk about that, but I went somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I met three, three beings. You want to say big okay. beings, angels, whatever. And I didn't know if it was real or not. They had a conversation, a conversation with them. And I, before I left, they said, how am I going to, how do I even know this is real? And mm-hmm. one told me, when you go back, tell them that your pancreas is going to grow back. It's going to regenerate. And the doctor, and the doctor, when I came back, I did tell him, you know, I told my wife first and she's like, you're crazy, man. Just don't even say that stuff, dude. They're going to be putting you in the psych ward. So, then, you know, so then, uh, I did tell the doctors and, you know, that doesn't happen. They said it only happens in newborns. It doesn't happen in adults. Your pancreas doesn't regenerate. Well, I get MRIs every six months. And mine's, they had to could say, go on there. No, for some reason, we no longer just see the head. There's a tail now too that's come back. So that's why I'm not diabetic or any of this other stuff, I think. That's wild. Um, that, that, yeah, that's wild. Now, you want to talk about stuff blowing your mind? Like it's just weird, wild stuff like that. But I've had so many weird things that kind of just throughout my life have kind of followed me around. Just weird things have happened and stuff that shouldn't happen happens. And it's like even the bad stuff that happens to me, I'm lucky enough where the man upstairs turns it around for good, you know? Yeah. I'm just blessed, whatever you want to say. I don't know. You know, favored. I don't think I'm favored. I'm like everyone else. I don't know. It's weird. I kind of contemplate that a lot. You do. I I call it being here for a purpose. And that's a good way to look at it. The, uh, I, I, I've gone through my own speed bumps and things like that. Um, but I've come to realize basically I'm here for a reason. And for the longest time, I personally didn't know what that reason was. I think I'm starting to figure it out. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I like feel like I don't know, you know, like even this podcasting. I never wanted to do a podcast or whatever. And I just started talking to, you know, Ryan, I think at the dangerous world. Next thing you know, he's I was on his show and then all of a sudden I'm on another show and another show. And it's like I only have two episodes or three episodes. I gotta start recording, you know. It's like but it's like every time something's happening, like my wife had a health scare, so she left work for a while. So I've been doing that. And it's like, it's, ne- it's always something coming up, you know, it's like, this is going on now where she's going to, she left the healthcare field and she's going to open her own business. Now I told her to try doing something totally different, not even in the healthcare field. She's going to do hair. So okay. we're going to, so we're going to see how this all goes. So we're in the process of doing that now and it opens going to open in January. So that's very next year. Exciting. So 
Yeah. So there's so much. So it's like anytime I really sit to focus on something, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast thing. Okay. Boom. Something else comes up. And it's like, I don't want to be one of these guys that starts something and doesn't finish it or does it just, oh, I'll do it here once here. And maybe two months later, I'll do another one. You know, it's like, I want to, if people are going to give me their time, I want to be able to be putting stuff out consistently and you know, it's like, maybe I should just feel like I, maybe I'm just need to go out and talk to other people. And when it just happens, my podcast happens, it happens. Stop worrying about it. You know, cause I do worry about it a lot. I don't know if you're into, I don't know where you stand, stand spiritually, but basically what I'm going to tell you is it's just more of a not yet. Right. Like, d- don't worry about it. Like it's going to happen. Right. Just not yet. Yeah, that's like, how I feel some, like you have some things you got to do first. Just not yet. But don't worry. Just not yet. Yeah, that's how I feel. Really, I do feel that way. You know, like I'm just I'm just supposed to put my stuff out there. Maybe now this is happening over here. Take care of this. And then I'll, when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. It'll be good to go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't force it. Yeah, don't not force at all. It. Not at all. I don't know if you could tell I'm one of those guys. I'm just kind of laid back. <laughs> I don't force anything anymore, you know, now that I'm older. Yeah, that's, uh, it's something I've had to, and to be honest, I'm still learning. There are certain things and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow. And then there's other things where I'm not going. Oh yeah. I I think that's chill and I'm not chill. I think that's our (laughs) constant thing as humans though, right? We, it's always that like strive and that push and pull where, Hey, we want to have time to relax, but we got to, we want to have time where we feel like we got to get all this stuff done and there's not enough time in the day just to do it. So you got to make a choice, you know, is today the day where I'm just going to chill on the couch and eat bonbons and watch TV all day, you know, or whatever, sit out back. That'd be me. I sit outside all the time. I could just sit out back and for hours and just listen to the birds and watch the clouds and whatever, you know, we have a little pond in the back and sit back there and there's feral cats that are my buddies that come and see me all the time and sit with me. So I have them. Yeah, it's wild. It's great. Honestly, like my life compared to where I was to where I am now is just, I can't even explain it. Like, I don't even feel like I'm that same dude anymore. I really don't, you know? Same dude as when you signed up for the army, same dude as when you. Yeah, same, same, that same dude, right? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm that. Like I came home, I feel like I came home a di- let's put it this way, I came home a different person from Iraq. And now I feel like I'm going I'm finally getting back to maybe the the person that was in there before the hardcore guy took over. You know? That's how yeah. I feel. It's like I don't know if you want to call it your softer side. That sounds so weak, but that's no. <laughs> that's like how I feel, you know. As a guy saying it sounds weak. I mean I do at least. So it's like I think that's Kind of like, I don't know. It's like, now it's like, I'm not afraid to say those things, you know, even though, like, even though it may sound weak, it's okay that I, that I say that, but I think all of us need that, you know? No, no, I do. To share that stuff with each other. Yeah. 100%. You know, and you talk about finding this softer side or the true you or more authentic you or whatever you want to call it was that part of the reason that you're now remarried to your wife? Yeah. Do you know, you know, through the whole process, this is how cool. And I mean, she was my best friend, even when we weren't divorced, I just couldn't live with her. I mean, we still talk. She was always been like my best friend. I could, I could tell her anything. So yeah. When, 
this is how good she of a person she is. So when I got went in the hospital, um, my parents came down. But I mean, my parents are old, so they came down and they stayed like a week, and then they would went back home. So I, I had no one. We don't have no family in Texas, so it was yeah. just me. So she stopped and put. She took. I don't know what you would probably know. Um, there's something that you can take, like a leave of absence for your mm-hmm. job for like some kind of health thing for six months. I think it is or something yep. like that. I think it's yeah. So she did that and put her life on hold, and she was coming to the hospital every almost well, almost every day running with my daughter, doing the school thing, all that, and then coming to the hospital and sitting there with me all day and then picking up my daughter from school and doing the mom stuff in between, you know? So I owe her a lot. Like I tell her, if I don't know if this ever, if I ever would have recovered, if like I didn't have a reason to, you know? Like yeah. I really, I really had a reason to recover, you know? It was like my life, I could see my life is getting so much better. It's like, man, if I can get out of this place, I think I can turn this around, man. I'm not doomed, you know? Yeah. And thank God I did. And she gave me a second chance and we were remarried uh, about two years ago, I think. Congratulations. Thanks. It was, it's, it's great, man. It's actually a good story. You know, so many stories end so bad. It's like I've become a, I actually, I signed up and I, I went and took the little test thing. I got my minister license so I can marry some people. So I've been doing that. And the main reason I got it was for COVID because the VA, at the old guys at the VA that are stuck there, they, they wouldn't let no visitors. So the only way you could go and that's was the pigeonhole around all the COVID stuff in the beginning was if you had your minister's license, they, they would let you go in. So if you say couldn't see anyone well hey i can come see you man oh you need something to eat hey i can bring you this too you know what i mean tell your buddies so i would just go up and spend some time with a lot of them bring them bring them some different stuff food just give them some of that companionship you know because i could could tell they were so lonely when all that was happening you know a lot of people were isolated so isolated you know yeah i have uh many feelings and opinions on that and it's yeah, it's like a hot button issue, everyone. I just think, you know, everyone should just do whatever they want to do. That's it. Be free. Do what you want to do, but don't be trying to tell other people what you, they should be doing. That's when 100%. I have a problem with things. You know what I mean? That's where I, if you want to do mask and wear a mask by yourself in a car, and all that great stuff, rock on and enjoy. But don't be trying to tell me that I have to do that myself. Well, and I just, I, I think, unfortunately... The, the most vulnerable are the ones who suffered the most. So the elderly who were in homes or, you know, assisted living facilities and the assisted li- living facilities made the rules and they, you know, th- these people couldn't decide if they wanted to see their grandkids or their kids. And then the kids didn't have a choice of, you know, whether or not they got to go to school. And then if they could go to school, a lot of them had to wear a mask. And so right. I just think a lot of, I think the most vulnerable parts of our society were hurt the most by this. For and sure. No, not no one. A lot of the people who could make change don't seem to care. And that's what bothers me. Right. Wherever you stand on this, that's what bothers right. me the most. Is it's just right. kind of like, oops, we made a mistake. So can you just forgive us now and totally forget about that? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm with I'm you on okay that, too. That. No, I'm not. I'm not okay with that either. It's like, hey, you. once you start saying that people need to be put in jail and all this crazy stuff or getting assaulted by policemen for not wearing masks and all this goofy stuff that's going on. It's like, nah, those dudes need to be held accountable for their actions for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see my cardiologist for almost three years because I can't wear a mask. Oh, my God. And they wouldn't see you. Your cardiologist wouldn't see you. Now, like, see, why wouldn't he come to your house and come see you? Because he was one of them and he was scared too or what? So I couldn't ever get a hold of him. I was, like, calling, like, the front desk and, like, patient advocacy and things like that. And at one point, I ended up calling every adult congenital heart clinic up and down the East Coast from Maine to Florida. And every single one had the policy. And this, and it wasn't during the height of it. Like, I wasn't going to try and do that. This was, like, in the past six seven months. right and this sounds horrible too right but then you think was it was that done on purpose to maybe not so people couldn't see the cardiologists and i'm not saying like to target you or anything oh, but no, it's a no. whole group in general that hey maybe we just deny these people health care and they're not going to get what they want and they'll just slowly die off because that's what they do to a lot of the veterans in general oh no they do and it just in mm. how many people were denied service and or not service medical care and how many people you know maybe were too afraid to stand up or they couldn't stand up or they legitimately couldn't wear a mask. So then they ended up dying, like you said. And mm-hmm. it just, it breaks my heart because there's people who all they wanted to do was, you know, go to the doctor and right. as, something like an antibiotic could have saved them. But right. I mean, some, how sad uh, is that? I mean, it's so people. sad. Yep. And I think of the little newborns and the little kids. It, it's got to screw them up, man. I oh, mean, it does. You know, they, you know, they learn by watching mouths and watching yeah. facial expressions. Now those are all hidden. So that, and that's when you're developing the most. So it's like, what is that going to do cognitively to these, to them? And not, I mean, and if, well, naturally, I'm sure it's affecting their speech and everything. But I mean, just oh, yeah. cognitively, what's the long-term effects 10 or 15 years from now when you're not seeing people smile at you for two years or laugh at you for two years or f- be able to interact with your little buddies on that, you know, that yeah. level and plane of existence of, of happy and happy and little kids run and hug each other all the time. That's their big thing. And that's all frowned upon, you know, everyone could be your enemy, be scared. It's like, that's got to do something to them. And now if they have the good parents, they'll put all that love and all the right thinking back in. But if they got parents and that they don't have time to be with them or whatever, those are oh, the yeah. ones that are be the victims, you know? Yeah. There's a, uh, the, I was taught speech therapists have been saying, you know, the, the speech delays have been skyrocketing. Um, right. And one of the biggest, not one of the biggest, but one of the quote unquote signs of autism is inability to understand facial expressions and social cues. Really? So, you know, if someone is, sarcastic you don't understand sarcasm or right um if someone maybe is smiling but is being saying something mean you're not going to be able to understand you know what necessarily that is and i'm like just in my head how many kids are going to be diagnosed quote unquote with autism or something else but really it's just because they could they weren't taught to read expressions as an infant to a preschooler Right. They just didn't have the normal exposure that, right. that we as humans have. It was postponed. So it's, I don't know. Hopefully there's no long-term effects of that kind of stuff. Hopefully it'll be okay. You know, I always try thinking on the positive. I hope, you know. Oh, I pray that there's no issues and, you know, it's just, it's slightly delayed and they can make up for it in, you know, cause their little brains are like sponges and they'll be totally fine right. when they grow up. Like, Right. I hope so too. I hope so too. Me too. You know, I hope so too. I hope that even for the, you know, all those people that were just so scared that took the thing, 
I don't even want to say it. I call it the Jabberwocky. There you go. Took the Jabberwocky, you know? It's like you feel, I feel sorry for those people too. Even if they still think they're right, that's okay. You could still think you're right, but I still feel sorry for you because, I, you know, it's like I know. And I hope what everyone says isn't true, you know, like, oh, hey, yeah, I, you're going to so you're going to start seeing all these masks. And what blows my mind is like almost how you see on the Internet. Now, there's like two cycles, two two sides, you know, there's the one side and there's the other side. It's like, yeah, hey, you all said this to us. So you all should die. It's like, I don't think that's probably the right attitude, man, you know, for just the average Joe that was so scared that. Yeah. Just lived in their propaganda bubble. And that's yeah. all they were fed and seen all the time. I mean. Propaganda does a real damage big time. 100%. It's all around us. It's, you know, it, it's in the schools. It's in the kids' shows. Um, it's everywhere. It's, you know? it's everywhere. How old's your daughter now? Curious. My daughter now is 16. And you just have the one child? Yep. Okay. That's okay. it. Yeah, we had one, me and, the, we and the wife, we had one. And she had her own little health issues when she was little and she never slept, never. And we were like, we were what, 30 at the time. We're like, man, this is it. We're, we're done with this one, man. We're like, I don't want any more after this. I'm through. I love her to death. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. I always say, I always tell you don't have brothers and sisters because I didn't want to water down the love I give for you, man. If I, if I, if I, you had brothers and sisters, you wouldn't get as much, much love, man. I had to spread it out. So just enjoy being, being a loner. You can have pets. She she can have pet siblings. Yeah, she has, and she's funny anyways because she's the type where she'll have her buddies over and, hey, is it time for you you go home yet? It's like, what? you're trying to tell them to go home. Well, yeah, they said they were going to come over for a couple hours. It's been a couple hours. They should probably go. I'm ready to chill, and she's just ready to do her own stuff. You know, she's a real loner too, man. Bakes cupcakes and sells them on the internet to the neighborhood That's and cool. everything. Yeah, she's. She's made a lot of money doing that, man. A lot of money. It's crazy. That's Just cool. selling cupcakes, you know? But it's good to see them get involved and think for themselves. Yeah, 100%. You know? but I, I love baking, but I haven't really mastered frosting yet. So I tend to do things that don't involve frosting. How about you? Do you have any little ones or no? Uh, I have a stepdaughter. Hopefully, you do? Yep, she's nine. Hopefully, cool. uh, I will have my own at some point. Um, hey, you got hey, you got one there. That's that's she'll suck up the love from me. I'm sure it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter if they're your own or not. You know, it don't. It's it's all how you. I mean, someone could be biologically your dad, and I know, and not be your dad. You know, you could. Have, oh no, I know. Yeah, my husband is adopted, and his birth mother was adopted. So yeah, so then you know, it's man. She'll be. I'm sure she loves you just like the real deal. Uh, there, I will tell you some, uh, stories later off air. Cause if I say them on air, I might get accused of slander, but they're funny. <laughs> and I want to tell you <laughs> for sure. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, she loves me and I love her and I can say that much. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what it's about. You know? So do you just have the one pup earlier before we hit record that, uh, likes to talk or do you have more? more yeah, animals? no, I have, I have him, but like I said, I have. I used to have three that came around all the time. Now I have one feral that's, he's probably out front right now. I'm laying in the mulch. He just sits around the house and waits for me to come out and he sleeps in the garage if it gets too cold. And I got, he's got a little house and I feed him actually every day. I got, so he's like my buddy. And I think that's what helps me a lot with my PTSD and everything too, you know, cause I, 
I'd, I've never slept well, but I sleep maybe four hours a night total. Like it's like I go to bed at 11. I'm up at 3, 3.30 all the time. And then he'll be waiting for me. I crack the garage and he comes running in and it's like, yeah, all right, let's feed you little buddy and get you your stuff, you know? And I come home and he's waiting in outside somewhere, peeking around the corner, waiting for me to come, runs like a dog. <laughs> it's wild. But yeah, that's all I have is just those two. That's all you need. <clears throat> that's all you need. Yeah, it's enough. The, uh, you talk about going to the VA a lot. Have you had, I know some people have good experiences with the VA. Most have really bad experiences. I mean, it's, I always tell people it's government run healthcare. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, it's not the greatest. I'm sure it's not the worst. And a lot of it depends on the patient themselves. Like, and I'm sure that's probably, that's what a lot of doctors like, as far as, if your doctor is telling you, Hey, you got to watch this and do this and do that. And you choose not to, and you go back there and they're like, Hey, guess what guy, you're supposed to be doing all this stuff and you're not doing it. So now you're not going to, we're going to take you off this one medicine because we're going to give you this medicine when you exercise. Now you're not exercising or doing what you're supposed to do. It's not good for you. And you have a lot of guys, you know, bitch and complain I'm not, I shouldn't say it about my veteran brothers. I love them all. But if you go there, it's just at the veteran hospital. It's just like a big bitch fest. If you sit down, it's everyone's complaining all the time. No one's happy. They're all in psychotropics. They're all like, it's not a good experience. The, I've met some of the best people in my life at the VA and I've met some of the worst. I think That's it's fair. just, it's like a reflection of society pretty much. That's why I see it. There's some great doctors in there. Do they last long? No, because they find out the truth and how bad it is. And, they, and they're like, hey, man, why am I working here again? I wanted to help veterans. That's right. Well, I'm not really doing that too much. I'm going to do my little contract and get out of here, you know? Yeah. So, so, but there is some good ones. I've had a few good ones and I've had a lot of not so good ones that I didn't see eye to eye with, you know, but like anything, I'm my own man. So you could tell me whatever you want to tell me and that's great. I'm going to do what I want. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. Like I've always loved my wife that way. And same thing with laws or whatever. You could pass any law you want. If, Hey, I'll look at it. And if I agree with it, cool. Then I'll decide to follow it. If I think it's stupid, then I, I don't care. You know, it's like, I'm not afraid of the repercussions. And I've always just kind of lived my life that way. You know? I do. Yeah. It's uh, my biggest thing is don't hurt anybody. Don't mess with kids and do your, like, and then just do your own thing. Right. It's simple, right? Just treat others as you want to be treated, man. Show yeah. love to people. And if you don't like people, leave them alone. It's yeah. not hard. Not hard. You know, I mean, I don't have a big circle of buddies or anything. Cause it's like, you know, when I went, that's why I really don't talk to my family really. Because when I was in the hospital, it's like, and I was bedridden and all that, you learn, like it opens your eyes to, who, who really uh, cares about you and who don't, you know, like when you're in there for seven months and no one's calling your phone in three weeks and you don't hear nothing from nobody. You're like, Hey man, these, I know these people got their own lives and stuff going on, but how hard is it to drop a text to me once a week and say, Hey brother, or Hey son, or yeah. Hey buddy, are, are you doing okay? Or not even that yeah. reaching out to my wife or shooting her email, you know, just opens your eyes. And it's like, that's cool. I understand everyone's got their life to live, but I, 
I don't want people halfway in or quarter in. It's like if people that are going to ride with me, you're going to ride with me. We're all in ride or die. That's it. There is no, there's yep. no getting off, you know, that's, that's all. So, so now I try to show that love to other people that, you know, if I go, when I go to the VA, if I, I'll try walking around and if I, you know, I know a lot, I'm blessed that way. I know so many of the nurses and doctors on the different floors. Cause I was always in those places, mm-hmm. like all different floors for so long. So I can walk up to the nurse station and be like, oh, Maggie, hey, what's going on? You got anyone that hasn't had any, you know, seen one or lonely or needs, a, wants just a buddy? And there's always someone, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. go down to whatever, 201. There's always, and I, and for myself, it helps me, I think, more than it helps that person. It's like, I feel great. Like even just sitting here having a conversation with you, I feel good, you know, I, and when I get off, I'll be happy. I'll go in my kitchen and do some dancing with the dog, you know? <laughs> I have to know, does the dog keep two paws on the floor or do you hold the dog? No, he does. He doesn't even need that. He can stand up and do his little, like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like kind of like a scoot thing or almost yeah, like yeah. where he's wa- walking. It's more like one foot forward. And then he has to pick it, put it back. He just keep, he'll do that. And then, but that only lasts for about 20 seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We, uh, my, my dog doesn't dance, but if you, you know, you tap your chest or whatever, your leg, she'll jump up and give you a hug. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, he don't do that. Mine just annoys the hell out of you. That's about it. <laughs> like you've seen him. You've seen him as soon as we got on the podcast. So. Yeah, but you've seen how he is. It's like he don't want. He'll just do his own thing. Doesn't bark. As soon as you gotta get on here and turn on the microphone, he's barking. You know. I I wonder if there's like a high pitch coming from your headphones or their microphone or their computer that you can't hear see that's what i thought but he's half deaf so he can't hear it either i could sit there and call his name from 10 feet away and he can't hear anything he just, <laughs> maybe he can only and i was like maybe he can, that's what i was thinking i'm like maybe he can only hear high pitch but i don't know if that's how it works you know oh. i don't know um, I, I don't know either but yeah he's the character for sure oh i love it we, we end on, on puppy notes and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and just all these different topics, but they all connect with each other. And that's what I love about these conversations is they, they go where they're meant to go. Right. And thanks for having me on. It was, it was nice meeting you. I'd never, I never met you before. got to talk to you. It was cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I know you had said you only had one episode out. Yeah. One or two, I think couple, but that's okay. But can you tell people, you know, about your podcast if you want to, or if they want to find you on Instagram or anything that you want to plug. For sure. Um, I just, I don't have much social media. I just have one Instagram and it's uh, the secret squirrel podcast. And you can get a hold of me by the secret squirrel podcast at gmail.com or the secret squirrel podcast.com. I have my own website. Congratulations. I uh, am not there yet. I'm trying. I'm not tech savvy i'm really struggling well to be honest i could try to help you and show you like i'm not tech savvy either i'll be honest but that's what's taking me so long too is everything i'm watching youtube videos i'm like holding my phone up reading one thing and typing trying to type it in with the other so i figured a lot of stuff out just through like trouble like trial and error and this does oh this is right no that doesn't work you know but i figured a lot of stuff out so if you need help i'll I'll try to help you if i need anything just send it and ask not a big deal yeah, it, uh, someone had recommended this thing called like Elementor, which is like a cloud thing. And um, it, was, it was like a hundred bucks a year, but I got it on sale for like 70 bucks for the year for the website. Have my domain name, like all the works. 
and it's supposed to be like run by WordPress or part of WordPress. And I can't, you can't figure it out. I have two degrees and I can't figure this damn thing out. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I can, I could try to help you, but I'll be honest, I'm not tech savvy. We could find someone that can for sure get yeah. you going. If anyone does know Elementor, please reach out in my DMs and, uh, Give me like some little tips because I'm struggling over here. I've had this domain name for like six months and clearly I still don't have a website. So. Yeah, hook her, hook her up. I'll I'll try asking people too. It's called what? Elementor? Is that what you said? Elementor, yeah. So there was like a plugin that you could use for WordPress, but I have where it runs the whole website. So it's the cloud version. Okay. And I don't know, maybe it was glitching the few times that I tried it. I honestly think it's user error on my end. <laughs> no, I, I hate it. I, that's how I am too. It's like every time I, before I come a podcast, it's like, man, I better check my microphone. Cause it's like, sometimes I don't know, all of a sudden the thing would be 20. I set it for 60 gain and two seconds later, it's on 20 again. It's like, what the heck is going on here, man? It's weird. It's weird stuff like that happens to me a lot. Yeah. Strange, you know, but very, very help strange. her out. Well, thank you. And thank y'all for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.